Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. You can also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Um, this time we're going to take a look at Nick Bosa's contract dispute with the San Francisco 49ers. Right now, there are three prominent players who are holding out. Um, in addition to Nick Bosa, we have Chris Jones, the Kansas City Chiefs, holding out. He's also in a contract year, like Bosa, and Zach Martin from the Dallas Cowboys. He has two years left on his contract. Now, um, Martin and Jones signed veteran contracts. They are subject to a mandatory $50,000 per day fine. Bosa situation a little bit different. He's in the last year of his rookie contract. He's scheduled to make a fully guaranteed um, $17.859 million. That's his fifth-year option. Now, since he's on his rookie contract, he can be fined $40,000 per day each time, each day he doesn't go, go to training camp. And we're running into about a week of training camp being missed. He also, since he's on the fifth-year option, He's subject to a fine of one eighteenth of his base salary for each preseason game he misses if it gets that far. So that would mean additional penalty of nine hundred ninety-two thousand one hundred sixty-seven dollars for skipping each exhibition contest. So um, if he missed all three um, preseason games of the 49ers, then he could be fined another two million nine hundred seventy-six thousand five hundred one dollars. In addition to the $40,000 per day fine, it's this fine, since he's in his rookie contract, isn't like the veteran one. It can be reduced or waived. Suspect the 49ers forgive everything on the fines once his contract gets done. Now, having someone from the Bosa family miss training camp because of a contract dispute is not anything new. Um, Nick's older brother, Joey Bosa, Chargers Ed Rusher, had the longest contract dispute for an incoming player since the rookie wage scale was implemented with the 2011 CBA. In 2016, he missed 31 days of training camp before signing, and Nick Bosa has the same agent as his brother, William Morris Entertainment Sports' Brian Irock, who, I say this as a compliment, is a pit bull for an agent. You want a pit bull if you allow the agent to do his job. You got to remember that the agent works for the client, not the other way around. But if you give the agent wide latitude, this guy is going to push it to the nth degree. He was also Aaron Donald's um, co-agent back um, when he was trying to get a new deal off his rookie contract. Held him out twice. Unsuccessful holdout 2017. Didn't get a contract 2018. Held out to the end of preseason. Got paid. This guy is going to be relentless. And if you're trying to get maximize what you're worth, he's got, a, he's got a good guy to do it. Now, John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers, characterizes this as a complex deal. Now, he didn't provide a timeline for when he thought a deal would get done, but said the parties had good lines of communication or are working hard to reach an agreement. Now, 
I'm pretty sure that Irot is trying to do what he did for Joey Bosa. Now, when Joey Bosa signed his extension in 2020, it was five years, 135 million, averaging 27 million per year. Had 102 million overall guarantee, 78 million fully guaranteed at signing. Maybe the highest paid defensive player, highest paid non-quarterback, most overall guarantees at the time, still is for a non-quarterback. Had the most money fully guaranteed at signing for a non-quarterback. Right now, highest paid defensive player and non-quarterback is Aaron Donald. The three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year last year signed a $95 million contract last June. Um, didn't get, had, didn't have to give any New Year's. Just ripped it up like it didn't exist. That's something you don't see too often. Deal average is thirty-one million six hundred sixty-six thousand six hundred sixty-seven dollars per year. That's probably the benchmark he's looking for. Now, Bosa deal that IRAW did eight percent increase over what was the standard for the highest-paid quarterback at the time. The ink was barely dry on what the Browns did with their edge rusher, Miles Garrett. He became the first $25 million per year non-quarterback. A percent increase is what Bosa got over Garrett. I Rawls probably like, hey, should at least be that because I got the better Bosa. Now, there's some things that Nick Bosa's done that Joey hasn't done. He's got a league-leading 34 sacks over the last two seasons. Elder Bosa never was Defensive Player of the Year. Nick Bosa is the reigning defensive player of the year. Um, he had a career-high 18.5 sacks last season. He was named first-team All-Pro by the Associated Press. That's something that Joey Bosa's never done. When Joey Bosa got played, he was coming off of an 11.5 sack season and was named to a second Pro Bowl in his four seasons. So he's probably thinking minimum 8% increase. And... I wouldn't be surprised if the idea has been I want to be the first $35 million per year non-quarterback. I'd be looking to do that if I were his shoes. Now, if you just give him the 8% increase, that gets to $34.2 million. Uh, that's an 8% increase over Donald's deal. Now, 49ers probably looking at it a little bit differently. 49ers have reset positional markets. They did that with George Kittle and they did Fred Warner. Probably don't have an issue resetting positional market for Nick Bosa. Now, with Kittle, tight end market was pretty stagnant. And a couple weeks into training camp in 2020, signs a five-year, $75 million extension, averaging $15 million per year. Highest paid tight end at the time was Austin Hooper, signed with the Browns in free agency that March, $10.5 million per year. It's basically a 43% increase over where Hooper was. And $40 million in overall guarantees and $30 million fully guaranteed at signing. Those both at the time set records for tight end. Now, Warner in 2021, first linebacker to hit the $19 million per year mark. And he got his deal right at the start of training camp in 2021. Deal average is $19.045 That was a 5.81% increase over the highest paid off-ball linebacker at the time, which was future Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner, with the deal that he signed um, Seahawks in 2019. 
Aaron Donald, highest paid defensive player, highest paid non-quarterback. He's not an edge rusher, interior defensive lineman. Highest paid edge rusher, and this is probably what the 49ers, at least initially we're looking at, is, well, we're going to pay you more than T.J. Watt, so we're going to work off of T.J. Watt. We want to work off of T.J. Watt, and T.J. Watt in 2021, um, after a hold-in which lasted basically all the preseason, signed a four-year, $112.001 million extension that averages $28,2750 per year. It has a non-quarterback record, $80 million fully guaranteed at signing. So they're probably thinking, yeah, T.J. Watt's the appropriate deal we're working from. Agents thinking Aaron Donald. Now, I got to side with the agent on this one just because if you look at who's been the highest paid defensive player over the past 10 years, it's normally an edge rusher. If you look at the at the end of the season past 10 years, Mario Williams from the Bills, 2013, was highest paid defensive player. 2014, J.J. Watt, Texans. 2015, and Sue with the Dolphins, interior defensive lineman. 2016 and 17, it was Von Miller. He was a franchise player and was the highest paid defensive player from the Broncos. Khalil Mack in 2018 and 19 with the Bears. Um, Nick Bosa, highest paid defensive player in 2020. T.J. Watt in 2021. Then Eric Donald in 2022, interior defensive lineman. So the only two interior defensive linemen that have been the highest paid defensive player at the end of any of the last 10 seasons, Sue in 15, Donald in 2022. You got it. Eight guys who weren't interior defensive linemen, so edge rushers rule that. So, I got a side, or there's a compelling argument that IROC can make that it's going to be the highest paid defensive player in the league, then we got to go above Aaron Donald's deal. Now, we know that the markup from Wagner, Warner's markup Wagner was a 5.81% increase. And we know that I wrought Joey Bosa 8% more than Miles Garrett. So to me, you're working off this Aaron Donald deal, $31,666,667 per year. Then the range for this deal should be, if you take the Donald deal with the uh, Warner increase, basically puts you $33.5 million per year. You take the um, Joy Bosa increase, you're basically at $34.25 million per year, although the agent's going to say it should be a bigger increase because I got the better Bosa. So I really put you at that range. The deal should be between $33.5 million per year and $34.25 million per year to me. They shouldn't have a problem agreeing on contract length for a couple of reasons. IROC did a five-year extension with Joey Bosa. So he's obviously comfortable doing a five, although T.J. White did a four-year extension. And the Warner deal and the Kittle deal, both five-year extensions. 
it should be common ground. So I'm thinking whatever is done will be a five-year extension. So there are going to be five new years added to the contract. Now, how are you going to get this cash? What's the cash flow going to look like? That's where you could have more obstacles. That BOSA deal, very player-friendly. IROT's going to want to use that as a template for Nick BOSA. And if you look at the cash flow after each respective year, uh, Joey Bosa is at 31.4% of his new money after the first new year, 47.1%, 64.92% after the third new year, and 81.21% after the fourth new year. That's pretty strong. Kittles doesn't come close to that, neither does Warners. Um, Kittles, after the first, second, third, and fourth new years, he's at 283 and 80%, 61.99%, 41.19%, 61.67%, and 80.83% after each of those respective new years. So maybe the fair thing to do is you just take a look at those three deals and you just average out what the percentage would be after each year. So it won't quite be what the Niners had with Killen Warner, and it's not going to quite be as player-friendly as Joey Bosa. That's going to put you at 29.49%, 29 after the first new year, 44.75% after the second new year. Um, both those figures um, are pretty much in line with where Kittle was after his first and second new year. You're at 63.02% after the third new year. That's better than anything that the Niners did with either Kittle or Warner. And then you're at 80.8% of the new money after the fourth new year, which would put you pretty much in line with Warner. Now, there's some other things about this deal you have to factor into the equation. Basically, most of the money in the first three years, I don't mean New Year's, 23 through 25, is probably going to be fully guaranteed at signing. There won't be any guarantees after 2026, so this deal, given the magnitude of it, you're going to have new records for overall guarantees. There's going to be more than $102 million, um, in overall guarantees to beat his brother's amount. And more than Watts, $80 million fully guaranteed. Um, I don't see how you get a deal done without that. Now, um, from a structural standpoint, Niners use a signing option bonus structure with both Kittle and Warner. I expect that to be the same thing with a BOSA deal. Now, an option bonus is basically a signing bonus that's usually, it's like an additional signing bonus that's paid in the second or third year to exercise a later year, later years in the deal. Signing bonuses, option bonuses, excuse me, are treated the same way signing bonuses on the salary cap. So they're prorated or spread out evenly over the life of a contract for a maximum of five years. But that begins in the year they're exercised. So if you had an option bonus in 2024, and usually there's a window like first few days of the uh, league year, like first to fifth day, that in this case be 2024 league year, It'd be prorated 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. 28 would be the option year. You'd be picking up a 28-year, which you prorate it through there, through that year. Now, when you have this structure, you're probably not going to have a big cap number in the option year because you got the bonus proration. The cap number starts to go up in 2025. Now, what I don't know with the 49ers is how much cap room they're going to want to create this year 
with the Nick Bosa deal. They got about $10.1 million of cap space, according to the NFLPA's uh, data. Biggest signing bonus for non-quarterback is Aaron Donald's $40 million from his 2018 extension. And Joey Bosa had a $35 million signing bonus in 2020. Um, if they wanted to keep the signing, keep his cap number the same as his option year salary, then he's going to set a record for a signing bonus. If not, then it's going to be lower. One thing that you are going to have in this deal is big per-game roster bonuses because that's something that the 49ers do in their large contracts. And by that, I mean there's going to be a certain amount that you get for each game you are on the game day roster and you're active. There's a 48-man active roster. There's a 53-man roster. If you're in street clothes, you don't get the money. If you're active, you get it. I remember Colin Kaepernick had $2 million worth of per-game roster bonuses annually, and there was one year he lost uh, about a million because he was hurt in the per-game roster bonuses. Um, it's not going to be that large. You've got Trent Williams, his deal, which made the highest-paid offensive lineman in 2021. He had $750,000 of annual per-game roster bonuses. That works out to $44,117.65 per game. Um, Debo Samuel has the same amount of annual per game roster bonuses in the new years. And, and for Bosa, they would be in the extension years. Um, Javon Hargrave, $750,000 in annual per game roster bonuses in his four year, $84 million contract. Killen Warner have $500,000 of these, uh, per game roster bonuses. And the main benefit of these roster bonuses is it's going to save the Niners some cap space and also cash if a player is hurt. Now, taking all this into consideration, what would the contract look like? We're talking five-year contract extension. I'm going to say $34 million per year is what it should be, whether it actually is. When it's done, remains to be seen. It's going to be 170 of new money. It's going to be $187.859 million over the six years. Now, peg the overall guarantees at about $115 million. Um, which means that you're not going to have all the money in year four fully guaranteed. There's going to be a substantial portion of the year four guarantee, of year four being guaranteed. Um, 92.5 fully guaranteed at signing, which would essentially be the cash in the first three years. For those cash flow percentages, you basically have $50 million of new money through the first new year, $76.5 million of new money through the second new year. You'd be about 106.5 through the third new year. And that would mean after three years, the deal is averaging $35.5 million per year. Then $137.5 million of new money after the uh, fourth new year. This deal should get done. Something has to go really wrong for there not to be a deal uh, between the 49ers and Bosa before the regular season starts. Um, no need to ring the alarms right now. Um, wouldn't be surprised if this thing gets done before the first preseason game. That was around the time that Kittles was done. The Niners' first preseason game is August 13th. Kittle signed his deal August 15th in 2020. And it really doesn't matter when it gets done as long as Bosa isn't missing regular season time. That Watt deal didn't get done, didn't get signed until a day before the regular season opener. He started getting ready for his regular work week and because during the whole end he wasn't doing anything but individual work he's going to meetings but he started preparing like he was gonna have a contract um 
when they were doing the preparation for the regular season opener. He had an abnormal preseason, one defensive player of the year. So Bosa can be Bosa, even if he misses a significant amount of training time, but training camp in the preseason. But something has to go really wrong for this not to get done. And I expect him to be the highest paid defensive player, which also would be highest paid non-quarterback. I don't think it'll be below $33.5 million per year. That's going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-L, and also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.